The Sunset Curfew Riots of November 1966 were an attempt by Sunset Boulevard residents to establish a curfew on the boulevard in order to stop dirty, filthy hippies from loitering around the many music venues that occupied the Strip. It was around this same time that the, a little-known band called Buffalo Springfield had become the house band at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go, uh, a, uh, a mainstay of the old, the old scene there. And what this led to was a, a series of very, very peaceful protests. It was essentially just a bunch of hippies hanging around one of the, like several clubs and just being like, we would like to be here at later hours than 10 p.m. Was this one of and- those love-ins? Yeah, basically, you know, they didn't have enough energy to or to really be mad, but they were like, yeah, we can be a, a, a mild nuisance. They're present, if nothing else. Exactly. It's like, hey, man, we, we kind of like it here. And so then police showed up in full riot gear to be like, Dude, we got to take care of these fucking hippies. So uh, Stephen Stills of the of the band Buffalo Springfield said, I had something kicking around in my head. I wanted to write something about the kids that were on the line over in Southeast Asia that didn't have anything to do with the device of this mission, which was unraveling before our eyes. Then we came down to sunset from my place on Topanga with a guy. I can't remember his name. And there's a funeral for a bar, one of the favorite spots for high school and UCLA kids to go and dance and listen to music. Officials decided to call out the official police riot, the, the official riot police because there's 3,000 kids sort of standing out in the streets. There's no looting. There's no nothing. It's everybody having a hang close to this bar. A whole company of black and white LAPD in full Macedonian battle array and shields and helmets and all that. They're lined up across the street, and I just went, whoa, why are they doing this? There was no reason for it. I went back to Topanga, and that other song turned to, into For What It's Worth, and it took as long to write as it took me to settle on the changes and write the lyrics down. It all came in as a piece, and it took about 15 minutes. Now, unfortunately, that quote spoiled the title of the song, but the interesting thing about this title came to be because uh, Stephen Stills gave what he had written to his producer at the time and simply said, I have this for what it's worth if you want it. And this week on Cover Me, we're talking about the 1966 classic by Buffalo Springfield, For What It's Worth. Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down That's right. And I think the brackets on that are, stop, hey, what's that sound? Yeah, I, I think it's better without the brackets. I agree. I've never seen it with the bracket tech. But for SEO purposes, I think the stop, hey, what's that sound is True. better because that's what you remember from the song, right? True. I've, I mean, I always like like knowing the real names of songs whose names mm-hmm. are not in the song, but like, yeah, not everybody does. And I'm sure there's lots of songs like that that I don't know the name of. So Probably. That's right. For all of those of you who haven't pieced together what's going on from your phone or earphones or whatever you listen to us on, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions and compares them against each other to find out which one is going on here. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my riotous co-host, Alex Mildenberger. But I'm a peaceful, hey, Alex. I'm a peaceful rider. I'm just holding the sign. Yeah, you're just like, let me just, stay hey guys, cut Sunset it out. Boulevard. <laughs> hey guys, enough of that. Maybe, maybe stop. Okay, thanks. So Alex, this is, uh, I was thinking about it as I went through the covers this week, mm-hmm. and I noticed a, a similar quality to covers of both Gloria and Wild Thing. Is this a rock and roll standard that we've stumbled upon? It very well may be, 
Um, but I think I don't know if it's a standard because I think with the standards, to me, the standards are less like of the moment because this is based on a kind of a specific event. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a standard to me, even though it has that kind of pedigree and and that kind of history. But right. I, I definitely agree that it's related. Like a, a group like Buffalo Springfield, I would put in uh, a category with groups like uh, groups that spawned other members of of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, like the Hollies and uh, what was the other one, uh, the Birds, um, mm-hmm. and groups like them that were like around for kind of a while in the mid late '60s and then formed the foundation for like rock and roll in the '70s. Like they kind of have this like primeval feeling to them like it's mm-hmm. pre whatever the 70s right and this falls yeah, in that category definitely so and this is a, a protest song it's been used as that forever mm-hmm. uh, and uh it also makes me think of the song fortunate son by ccr which is i guess more focused on what this piece was originally going to be about which was fighting over in, in vietnam, vietnam. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I thought this was about in the first place, because I mean, a lot of the the imagery uh, that they talk about with the soldiers and battle lines and stuff uh, does seem like it should be like a war song, right? Mm-hmm. But it's all de- delivered through this sort of casual. It's very, it's very much like an observant song. He's simply looking at the things and then saying, like, this is the scenario there's these battle lines there's soldiers and then the chorus is stop what the fuck's going on here (laughs) yeah like let's let's all take a look at what's happening yeah let's take a step back is this really a battle we should be fighting is there a battle here at all yeah so it it does ask some questions or or should we just go right in and talk about those lyrics then yeah let's fucking dive right into it this is a this is a pretty simple piece we call a segue but there's actually quite a few Verses, although they're short. Mm-hmm. So verse one says, there's something happening here, but what it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I got to beware. So I guess this is where I would ask the question, like, of what is the pers- perspective here? Because as, as we said before, it, it does sound like he's, he's talking um, as an observer. But he's, is he an observer, like, on the streets? Or is he an observer, like, reading a newspaper? Because I think when he says what it is, is ain't exactly clear, could refer to, like, I'm here on the streets and, you know, there's chaos. There's lots of people around and things are happening. And I don't see mm-hmm. what's happening over there because there's stuff in the way or whatever. Uh, versus, like, I'm reading about it afterwards and maybe all of the details are not super clear. That's what well, I th- I'm thinking about. I think it's uh, expanded upon the second line, or there's a man with a gun over there telling me I gotta beware. So I don't think the man with the gun is like near him while he's reading a newspaper about events. Right, but if he is reading the newspaper, like it's about a curfew, right? Mm-hmm. It's related to a curfew, so I, I mean, I still feel like the man with the gun could be like over there, even if he's sitting in his home, like because it's still applying to you if you're not like the curfew is even if you're not like specifically on the streets mm-hmm. so I, I but anyway because there's something happening here yeah, Alex. i, 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 feel like I would very, lean i would lean towards he's on the streets I, i'm pretty sure he's on the streets 
And then, because then it comes to the chorus. I think it's time we stop. Children, what's that sound? Everybody look. What's going down? Which, uh, yeah, it seems like a call to, like, hang on a second and, like, take a look at what's happening around you, I think. Mm-hmm. Just like, be observant and, and about the events. Um, yeah, everybody's sort of, like, engaged in their roles. There's this man with a gun, like, well, you gotta beware, man, like, shit's crazy out there. And he's like, well, stop. Because, like, again, pulling that Stephen Stills quote, he's just like, it's just some, like, students, basically, because it was mostly young people, high schoolers and UCLA students. Right. Just just, just in a space, just occupying young a place. Young people somewhere. Yeah, and, and then, like, ask yourself, like, why you're doing what you're doing. And what is that sound? Mm-hmm. Now, when he refers to children, is he referring to the children of of the movement, or is he referring to everybody at large as being children because they're too stupid to realize what's going on? Um, I'm trying to. Right. Okay. I knew there was something yeah. about the hippies. I had to look it up. Um, Flower Child is a name for hippies, mm. right? A hippie? Hundred percent. So it could be referring to that. Now I don't know if if Stephen Stills identified as a hippie. I don't know if a lot of people actually identified as a hippie specifically, mm. you know, or if it's just a thing we call them now. And maybe they were called at the time by other. You know, we have so many words for for different generations and stuff that are kind of the thing to talk about nowadays, but it was hippie back then. So, so mm-hmm. that, I guess, I, I guess when I say that, uh, I, I don't necessarily know who he's talking to. Obviously I don't think he's supporting, you know, them coming out in full right gear or whatever. He doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be uh, happy with that, but I wonder who he's, his message is for and what is exactly. Cause he is addressing seems to be addressing the hippies yeah it seems to be with children what's that sound but what's that sound what is that sound alex what is that sound that's the question that we got to answer is it gunfire is it just shouting was there gunfire involved I, I, this was these are protests and there were like riot police or whatever mm. but i don't think they ever turned violent did they well, they I didn't look into riots. them a whole lot. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you about this. But a lot of uh, things get called uh, right. Uh, 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 no, it doesn't seem to. There's nothing here on the, the Wikipedia page that says casualties or anything. Because it never came up when I was looking. Mm-hmm. I only looked up a little bit. I didn't see anything, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I didn't see casualties. But it's important to note that uh, amongst the youthful demonstrators, there were celebrities, or like would-be celebrities, such as Jack Nicholson and Peter Fonda. It's wild to think that Peter Fonda and Jack Nicholson are like kind of the same. Like age. Age group. Yeah, well, it's crazy because now these days it's uh the, the Jane Fonda is like going out every day or week and getting arrested in uh in protests. <laughs> So right on. 
I guess. You seen that picture? Uh, no, I Ted haven't. Dan's and getting arrested. Oh yeah, I have seen that actually. <laughs> yeah, he was there with Jane Fonda. So <laughs> she's been. She like goes and brings celebrities, and they go to these like client climate protests and things, and get arrested. Raise the profile. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's tight. I think it's pretty cool. Okay, so now I guess the next thing I, the next verse kind of addresses what I was asking. Yeah, was exactly. It does. So he says the battle lines are being yep. drawn and nobody's right if everybody's wrong, which in itself seems like an obvious statement. But he's also suggesting that nobody is correct in this situation, that no one's mm-hmm. doing the right thing, maybe. But also, he says the young people are just speaking their minds. So maybe he's just saying everybody can't be wrong, like someone has to be right here. Is that what he's suggesting? yeah is it um yeah what you just said because yeah he's he's like there was surely there must be a right side but it's like if one side's like oh these guys are wrong and the other side is like oh these guys are wrong then how do you fucking determine that yeah it's all just like well i think i'm right well i think i'm right and you never come to any Mm -hmm. conclusions which I guess comes up again in the next verse. Um, which I would say overall a lot of it is more just about painting the scene. But when he talks about the, the, the signs, mostly saying hooray for our side, I think is just a reference to like the protest signs not really having much substance to them. Like it's just, hey, this thing is the right thing without being able to express more in depth what's going on and yeah i would argue that that's not the point of a sign in a protest but i'm yeah but yeah maybe he's saying that like these signs don't achieve their intended purpose they just seem to be like i am part of something yeah which some signs nowadays probably actually say yeah from the um, signs yeah. i've seen in word pictures. for word <laughs> Um, yeah, but in, so in the end of verse two, it says young people speak in their minds are getting so much right. resistance from behind. Behind, I think, uh, genius says referring to the older, the previous generations. Yeah, the other thing I kind of like about that line is I would say generally you would get support from behind. Like that's how you mm-hmm. refer to it because someone who's behind you should be on your side, right? Yeah. That's your, that's your vulnerable place where you can't see. So I think that's kind of an interesting flip of that concept. yeah and maybe that's his other use of the word children here not only as flower children but you know i believe children are the future and that we're supposed to support them so he's saying uh, but like they're getting resistance instead yeah look what we're fucking doing here we've brought out riot police to potentially fucking kill hippies <laughs> to kill young people if yeah. they step out of line for wanting to stay on a street past 10 p.m 10 p.m imagine people on the street after 10 o'clock seriously in la like <laughs> mm-hmm. um the sunset strip which as um, i understand yeah. was a pretty like happening place yeah it was well there, there was the whiskey a go-go there was uh shit i had a list here there was pandora's box which was i think the cub club that actually closed down due to the riots and then there's uh yeah those are like some of the most prominent ones like whiskey a yeah. go-go is referenced in I think a Doors song, isn't it? They were the house band at the Whiskey A Go Go for a while as well. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a it's a you know, it's a prominent part of rock history. Yeah. And to think that such a place would be like, well, it's 10 p.m. You fucking losers got to go home. Yeah, I mean, I obviously I don't have a concept of how nightlife has changed and I barely have a concept of modern nightlife. But it seems like 10 p.m. is like when things are starting and these are just mm. like hippies. They're young, but like they're adults like <laughs> or some of them, I'm sure are. And if they're yeah. not. I don't know. Curfews are uh, I mean, somewhat absurd yeah. to me, unless it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to get into justification for curfews, but <laughs> yeah, they're silly. There but is I, no I've, justification. I've never had a curfew, so really, yeah. But it's I never, just, you, I never needed yeah, you, one. There was never a need for one. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents are like, do you want to go out? <laughs> You're like, no, I'm please, fine. please go, <laughs> make friends. <laughs> No, I'm tired. I'm just gonna go to bed. <laughs> I'm gonna bed. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Fine. And they put me in a room with a big window that I could sneak out of. I was like, oh, sure is nice when I get a breeze in here. They like leave their keys to the car. It's like, oops. <laughs> the six pack. They're like, I don't. Oh no. Well, I left my six pack in the fridge where it's nice and accessible. <laughs> Go have fun. Anyway, yeah. And you refuse to. Yeah, curfews. Fuck them. Um, what's the next line? Um, fourth verse. Well, we didn't really talk about the third verse. Um, we talked yeah. about the last line, but the rest of it. So, Genius suggests that the first line says, what a field day for the heat. Refers to um, guns. guns, which I think probably can. But also, it's, I'm sure, hot in L.A. Never been there. But uh, that's my impression of L.A. Um, mm-hmm. So if they're protesting during the day, it's going to be pretty fucking hot. And the heat's yeah, just going to be like, yeah, transfer to people and heat them up. Yeah, I suppose in a literal sense, it's like, wow, it's a great day to get sweaty. But I think what a feed, field day for the heat. It's like this is what you sign up for when you're a cop, right? It's like thousand people in the streets singing songs and carrying signs it's like oh yeah we're gonna fuck up some hippies today boys yeah that's what it's all about i'm gonna take a wild guess and say that buffalo springfield probably wasn't pro police (laughs) i'd say that's a pretty good guess i'm gonna support that as controversial as it may be yeah it's how could i say something so brave and yet so controversial yeah that's what that's what people come to this podcast for that's right. It's those Hot sorts takes. of assertions. They say, what? What? But then they, they say, say maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. even though no one has ever suggested this before, maybe it's the truth. Maybe we're, yeah, well, we're delivering hot truth piles. You got to remember, steaming. nobody openly talked about hating the police until NWA released Fuck the Police. That, yeah, that it was illegal to hate the police. <laughs> That's right. Um, and they just busted that gate wide open so yeah way to go they really way to really go open guys. doors for us so yeah it's it's uh, uh yeah it's what a feed deal for the for the field day for the heat i think it's like what a great day for the cops here's a thousand people hey. doing fuck all like they're they're just standing out here being like hey we're okay um yes paranoia strikes deep paranoia strikes deep strikes deep into your life into your it life will it will creep, creep. It starts when you're always afraid. Step out of line. The men come and take you away. Okay, so this isn't like really a war thing, but Mm -hmm. I think it's related. 
because we can't talk about a song in the 70s with political with a political slant without talking about the Cold War. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah. This, well, this is a song from the 60s, though. From the 60s. I meant the 60s. Okay. okay. It is a song from the 60s. You're right. Um, I misspoke. But there was Cold War in the 60s as well. Oh, yeah. And this is... I've said all that. It's not even that big a connection. Talking about paranoia. Um, about the the paranoia of the of the establishment for saying like, oh, these kids are hanging out on the street. What what's gonna happen? What are they gonna do? Mm-hmm. They're paranoid about it. But I gotta bring up the Cold War because there's a lot of paranoia around communism. Right. And and because this song often gets talked about as a as a, a an anti-war thing, as opposed to specifically referring to that event, I think this line really is one of them that makes it feel like it's about just like war and Vietnam and stuff. Generally, mm. that's not the only one, but I think that that's that adds to the feeling a lot. Right. So when you think when it talks about stepping out of line, the men come and take you away. Are they drafting you? <laughs> Could be, but I think they also, I mean, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember the time frame, but there was a, you know, Red Scare and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was like, like 50s, wasn't it? Like McCarthyism? I think there were two Red Scares. Okay. I was a fan of the original Red Scare. Red Scare yeah. 2 was a little much. Yeah, I, it, it didn't need to happen. Right? Yeah. I, Actually, well, the first I, Red Scare was between World War One and Two. Okay. And the second one was right after World War Two. But anyway... So the concept of that sort of anti-communist um, sentiment is not so, like, it was still in the public mind, right? Because there was still that, oh, yeah. like, pro-American. Because that, that sentiment carried towards hippies, flower children. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've always associated, the hippies were associated with ideas of communism, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not crazy, yeah. I don't think. No, you're not crazy, Alex. I mean, um, you might be crazy, but you're not wrong about this. And... Now that I'm bringing all that up, it doesn't necessarily directly apply to that event because this can also just be seen to apply to that event. But the other thing about this song is it does seem like it can be so widely applicable to the time period and and just that civil unrest, state of civil unrest. It's like if you do anything against the government, they'll find a way to put you down and shut you up yeah and it's yeah it's i think it also speaks to this sort of internal conflict that he seems to be addressing back in verse two Mm -hmm. when he says young people are speaking their minds and getting so much resistance from behind like you said resistance from people who are supposed to be behind you supporting you right right and so the paranoia strikes deep into your life will creep. Uh, it starts when you're afraid. And so it's that's like when we we fear these things. Like this is this was some people on the sunset strip being like, we don't like these young kids being here late at night. We're too busy drinking our cocktails or whatever. And yeah, enjoying like, the hey, sunset because that's what the strip is for. What if they strike a pose in front of our Cadillacs? Like, what will we do? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what if they strike a pose on our Cadillacs? Uh, oh, my God. Can you imagine? And so it's it starts with this internal, 
uh, like strife and that they they seem to say that paranoia is the cause of that like when you believe that things will happen to you you sort of strike out at those around you which uh, yeah makes sense to me i mean Mm -hmm. all all those things are seem logical I, i i would wonder how much it was in in the 60s yeah how well known that sort of concept would be because there's a lot of like pop psychology going around these days and it right just, there would be much less exposure to that in the 60s but i don't know they still had like television and stuff so yeah and well with the 60s talking about paranoia i'm like oh they're talking about smoking too much weed i get it i've been there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. and i wonder if the lines step out of line because he mentions the battle lines being drawn in verse two again yeah if that's saying that like well right now when we're in this if you're on one side of the battle line or the other you are sort of stuck you can't leave the line or else you're gonna get taken away like they're just gonna grab you and be like well you were part of the fucking riots you're a piece of shit and we'll either jail you or draft you like so we kind of get stuck into these roles when paranoia strikes yeah, on like either side, I guess. Like you can mm-hmm. you can be stuck in your ways and stuck in the line. And uh I mean certainly we've seen nowadays a lot of partisanship. So that makes this song even more applicable. If you look at it from that angle. Yeah. Uh then that's actually why we're talking about it, and certainly not just because I hit refresh on secondhand songs until it came up with a song I, I felt like talking about. Yeah. Well, we kind of missed uh, having our Remembrance Day extravaganza, so maybe this is... <laughs> probably for the best? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, Is that the last verse? That is... Yeah, it's all repetition from here on out. Yeah, so this is a, a sort of... Hey, protest song that's more like an observation of... Like civil strife, internal strife within a nation. Yeah, and I guess my big question is like, how much of it is? It, it's written as if it's like an out kind of outside observation. How much is trying to sound? It's uh, not trying to sound neutral or anything, but I don't know if he was trying to pose himself as an observer, but was kind of taking part in it as well. Well, yeah, I think he certainly had a bias, but from my understanding from the quote was he was not actually a part of the riots. Right. But he just observed them because, yeah, he came down to sunset and they were having that funeral for the bar. And he's like, yeah, what the fuck's going on here? Right. I guess he's not going to get kicked out of the out of the strip because he's he's in the house band at the Whiskey A Go Go. (laughs) Yeah, he fucking works there. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Alex, tell me about the instrumentation on this piece. Uh, there's not a lot of it. Yeah, it is surprisingly simple. Um, there is, it starts with this, uh, it starts when you're always afraid, uh, but it starts with this, like, do you know if that they're playing, I thought they might be playing, like, harmonics, but I don't think so. Oh, yeah, are you talking about, like, the two the notes? Like, like, boom, boom. Yeah, that one. So that's that could me. be harmonics. That for me, that like echoey, it's just, I believe, a fifth. I, mm-hmm. They just play a fifth. Um, that is like the main part of the song for me. But I don't know if that's true of everyone. That's certainly the signature of it, I yeah, would say. Yeah, because like there's also, 
a guitar like strumming pattern going on. It doesn't come in right away. But I didn't really ever pay attention to that. I just noticed no. it because this song is so heavily like panned, like left and right. Right. Um that they're like very different in each ear. So I listened to it once in each ear and there's like just a guitar strumming and I never really paid attention to it before, but it's always been there. Yeah, that's the one of Oh, here's so here's a little little production line from the Wikipedia page. The song is distinguished with the use of Neil Young and his guitar harmonics technique. Oh, there you go. So yeah, I would definitely say that is a distinguishing feature of this song. And he's it's just playing like a fifth. He's just jumping. And then the other thing is that drum pattern. <laughs> like that yeah. intro to me is so iconic. And so yeah, distinctive. And, and so other, simple. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like there's just two simple parts that really carry most of this song. Mm-hmm. And then you get the the one guitar that does its own little pattern. It goes doom boom doom 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 boom yeah. boom boom. That's the other thing. And that's I didn't ever really notice that before, like this week. Yeah, like this week and actually I think I knew it because Jesse and I had learned how to play this song. Mm. But I forgot about it after like, we learned to play it. <laughs> and yeah, that's in the right ear. Mm-hmm. But like the the harmonics are le- in the left ear, and so is the lead vocals. And the right. bass is really quiet. I split my whole description between left and right ears. Interesting, Alex. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't even hear bass on this original. It's very quiet. Yeah. So what I find interesting is the, the ramping up of usage of backing vocals throughout the piece. Yes. That's so they're the always other... apparent in the chorus. You always get the, the vocal harmonies. But then, so first verse, there's nothing. The second verse, they do some ooze. And then by the final verse, it's fully doubled. They, yeah, it's they like sing a, I don't think it, I, it is actually, I believe, like harmonized. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like just singing the same thing. Yeah, just thing. a straight double. Yeah, it is a harmony. Uh, which, yeah, they definitely build that. And that's all on the right side, all those harmonies. And mm. uh, backup vocals, right side. Right side. Um, but, yeah, that's another thing I didn't really notice before. This song it just, is just so, like, ingrained. It's just in, like, my mind that I just accept it now. Yeah. As, as a whole. And, and now picking out the parts has been very interesting. Mm-hmm. Coming back to it, and you're like, well, there are like individual ingredients that make up this song. It's not just a, just a piece, a whole piece. But yeah, and I think the band Buffalo Springfield um, was known for for uh, harmonies, like their harmonies as well, which is kind yeah, of something you hear me. from other like proto uh, country rock stuff. I know we talked about the Birds before, right? Um, but, and I guess the other interesting thing is is that this group had two members of of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young when they have the Young and are just Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're almost one of those, like, proto-super groups. Like, everybody had great solo careers after. Yeah, even, who's the other guy? Richie Furay. Mm-hmm. Uh... 
which is another member of the band, I believe a rhythm guitar player, um, formed Poco, Paco. Okay. Which is a band that comes up, like they're important, but they were never like mega successful. I think several of their members ended up going to be in the Eagles at various times. And like, they're like, I think they're kind of of the same pedigree as like, the Flying Burrito Brothers, Brothers Band, whatever. Okay, Where, like, yeah. they'll come up when you talk about music from the era because they were prominent at the time, but for some reason just don't have that same level of fame as a lot of the other ones. Right. Anyway, that's just a little aside. But, yeah, there's not a ton more to talk about in, in, in this song. It's it's very sparse. No. It feels, yeah, just a little. Yeah, I don't know. It feels, like, very focused on, on the lyrics, really. Mm-hmm. But also, and they kind are of very laid back. like laid back vocals, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that this is his, quote a protest song when it's it's very relaxed. It's it simply like paints a picture of what is happening, and he says he's not even like I hate this. He's just like, well, listen, this doesn't seem right. I'm not so fucking sure about this. Like, maybe don't. Yeah, he's like, can we step back for a second? It's uh, one final fun fact. So Buffalo Springfield was the band's first album, you know, a self-titled one. And this song originally was not on it, but once for what it's worth, like it became a hit single. It uh, actually replaced the song Baby Don't Scold Me on reissues of that album. Well, I've never heard Baby Don't Scold Me, so it's probably a good move. Yeah, it sounds like a piece of shit song. If you can find the original version without this on it probably worth a lot more yeah i wonder how much the the, uh the original issue of the album's worth if you've got it send it to us and we'll tell you how much it's worth (laughs) (laughs) um yeah with that alex should we jump into the cover versions yeah 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 so coming out the following year in 1967 we have the staple singers staple So I was, I got off on a bit of a tangent when I was looking up Buffalo Springfield and ended up looking up the band a bunch mm-hmm. um, for some reason. And one of the, the influences of the band was listed, the Staple Singers were listed as an influence of the band. Interesting, because the, the, the Staple yeah. Singers also do a cover of The Weight. Yeah, there's a lot of like intermingling there. Yeah, they're horny for each other. So the Staple yeah, Singers are a family band. Their last name is actually Staples with an S, but they, it's singular in their band name for some reason. And I wonder... Mm, oh, yeah, no, I wrote it down wrong. I wrote down the Staples Singers was the Staples Singers. Yeah, huh. it's a, just a little oddity. So they're American Gospel, Soul, and R&B group. And, yeah, with that in mind, I can definitely see the connection to the band. Yeah, the band... I guess, excuse me, the band had a lot of influences, but... The other thing, they had so many siblings. Am I correct? They had, like, way too many siblings. And yeah, like, because sometimes uh, a sibling would replace, like, one, one I think, like, was drafted, and so they had one, like, replace that one at two yeah. different times. So that's sad. But yeah. Yeah, so they're, that's who they are. Also, I noticed uh, when looking them up, one of the facts was, like, their version of Uncloudy Day influenced Bob Dylan. Um, 
And I was like, Uncloudy Day sounds familiar. So I've only heard the Don Henley version of Uncloudy Day, mm. but it's another song that has a lot of cover versions of it. Mm. It wasn't originally by them, but it was like, it's like a gospel, like, whatever. I don't, I don't want to say him, but. Yeah, just like a, a gospel jam. Yeah. So Don Henley has a version and like Willie Nelson has a version. Like, so more, more little facts there. Mm-hmm. So this one is, uh, it's like vocal harmonies are very present in this. It's mostly female, but the line children is very specifically the dude saying it. <laughs> Just the line children. It's like, oh, stop, children. Children. <laughs> and uh, there is a, what kind of guitar would you call this? To me, it sounds kind of like early Beatles, which is to say pretty much just rock and roll of the time. The guitar? Um, I think uh, it, in the original, the guitar kind of has that jangliness mm-hmm. that we, that uh, we I'd see. agree to that. Uh, in music of the time and kind of had a revival in that like jangle pop era, which was a right. thing. As for what the guitar was in this, it definitely like wavers. Like it's... It's got like that vibrato. Mm-hmm. Or tremolo. Tremolo. Yeah. But as for what I would call it, I'm not sure. Call it guitar. Call it good yeah. old fashioned rock it's and good roll. Good old fashioned rock and roll guitar. But it's a little on the jangly side. Uh the drumming's mm-hmm. a little different now. It's more constant. It's more just like a straight four four with a lot of hi hat. Yeah. Hundred percent. And they're like all singing together, but as you said, again, uh, children is really just the the like guy, the male. Yeah, voice. I imagine the father. Is the father part of the band as well? Yeah, he's the he was the founder of it. And okay. The, uh, yeah. Singing with his kids, right on. I'm sure there's more there, but on the surface level, right on. Right on. Yeah, I hope it's all hunky dory there, as the kids yep. say. Um, the bass on this is pretty fucking groovy. Yes, it's much more groovy, much more involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and noticeable, because you barely even notice it on the last one. <laughs> yeah. But it feels, yeah, it's much more funky sounding. And there's, like, clapping throughout. That's right. So I don't know who's playing instruments if they're so busy clapping. Well, yeah, a lot of kids, you got to remember. Everybody needed to be occupied. <laughs> That's true. No idle hands. Exactly, because otherwise they'd be jacking off. Yeah, and they also so do a thing. The, <laughs> the devil does. With, just right, to be clear, that was the <laughs> right. That's that's Whatever. Satan's yes. hands. Um, yes. Idle hands do the work of Satan, as we say. Do we say and that? Satan. Yeah, that's yeah. I, the, the yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think I've said that before. And uh, and the only work of Satan is just cranking your hog. So. Yeah, which like thanks Satan. <laughs> yeah, this Satan guy doesn't seem too bad now. Yeah, because like it's a hassle. I've already got muscular issues in my arms, so, like, you know. Right. Yeah. So, the other thing they do that comes up a lot, or it seems like an obvious thing to do, but the original doesn't really do it. Mm-hmm. Do they do it? I still think they don't really do it. Um, is like, when they say stop, they kind of stop a bit. Like, the music right. cuts out, and then they just jump right back in. Yeah, do that. That feels they so stop. natural. Yeah. Like, how did you not think of... Maybe it's too obvious. I feel like Neil Young was like, nah, fuck you guys. Don't do that. 
Probably not. He just seems like the kind of person. It's to... like vocally, it's era. I think it's time we stop. Children, what's that sound? But it's maybe not as pronounced as it is in this version. Because there's already so much space in the music. In the yeah. Because it's like, yeah, well, this stop one's playing, so much like, more whatever. lively in the composition that you notice that stop. Yeah. You like clapped as I was listening to the, the pause. <laughs> I was like, stop. What's that sound? Like, yeah. That's. That's the Good magic timing. of this. That's the magic of the delay between our us. Yeah. Somehow working out. Somehow working out. So yeah, that's uh, you're right. That is a big moment, and they go to the the end section where they kind of just repeat the chorus and sort of trade off who's singing what a bit before the end. And I thought that was a good a good wind down. And there's a lot of clapping right at the end. It's like yeah, constant. Everybody, look what's going down! Yeah, yeah. It's like when people post things online, and it's like the the word and then a clap. Clapping between the words, yeah. Stop, children! What's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down! Yeah. The other thing is their ending is like more logical. Yeah. Because they do like a little harmony at the end, whereas the original sounds like it fades out during a guitar solo. Like, the guitar's just playing, and it just kind of fades out. Like, yeah, that's right. That's such a classic ending, though, is the fade-out on a guitar solo. It's like, yeah, it it wasn't just, even, we didn't even care. We just have so much good guitar playing. It's funny. Is it because of that they're like, well, you, you gotta cut this. It's never gonna get on the radio. Yeah, maybe. And you're just like, but I played the whole solo. So it's a good solo. I just want to put it on. They're not British. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody was talking like the Beatles at that time so they were trying to get some of that energy it was 1966 <laughs> the Beatles were big and it was Beatles mania my man I have Beatles mania but yeah these guys got a stellar vocal performance they got some lively instrumentation um yeah I like this one yeah should we move on to 1969 yeah let's talk about chilling me I've got to beware. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. At first I was surprised. Like, what, Cher? Did a cover of this? And then I remember Cher's done everything, so. Yeah, she has truly a long and storied history yeah, with music. It, I'm always a little shocked to be reminded that she was active, like, in the 60s. And this was even, like... She had been around for a couple of years, like with Sonny and Cher. Yeah, it's it's funny because like Greta saw that this was on there, and she's like, "Oh, let me listen to that." And then it was you know like sixty Cher, and she's yeah. like, "I don't like this." Yeah, it sounds like it. Like oh, I saw it, I was like, "Oh, she didn't like the '80s or whatever." No, no, there's not. I don't even think there's a music video. No, I didn't look up music videos though. Neither there's did a I, performance so. like music video of with a Buffalo Springfield playing. And there's like one choice shot of Neil Young before mm. he became Neil Old. And, <laughs> he aged uh, in an instant. That's they stole yeah. his soul with the camera, and that's why he's old now. And he's just like there with his sideburns and his bowl cut. Oh, fucking love that guy. <laughs> so yeah, this is Cher. We get some tambourine on there, which I think is classic '60s Cher. I think it's classic '60s, but yeah, there's some yeah, tambourine. True. That's for sure. Um, is it electric piano on this? Um. Or is it an- I wasn't sure. I called it an organ, but I was gonna call an organ. I always get scared that it's gonna be an electric piano. So I was like, "It's gonna be hard to tell the difference." They're like related, you know. 
sonically. Mm. They look the same sometimes on the outside. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really got that hi-hat and that tambourine for the percussion. Uh, and there's, like, an acoustic guitar. And it's playing this pattern that sounds like it's almost trying to be, like, both the electric guitar and the drums. Like, it's kind right. of doing, like, a... Like, which kind of reminds me of the drum pattern from the original. Yeah, because I but know it sounds that like that boom, the, bam, boom, sort the of thing. Strumming style was particularly a little heavier, right? Something that would imply it's doing a, yeah, a it's drum like rhythm. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of adds to the rhythm. This one is quite rhythmic. Mm-hmm. And there's the the bass on this again. We get another kind of like groovy bass line. This one's really working. Yeah, I mean. The original was so, like, the bass line was so, like, on the very bottom of the mix that you can kind mm-hmm. of put anything in there, and it just adds a little bit yeah. more, more funky rhythm to it. And, it's cause, and like, it's weird, because if you really wanted to phone it in on the bass line, you could just do, like, fucking root notes or whatever. Yeah. But people are putting in these really active, like, boom, 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 Which maybe is, like, standard bass lines, but it's still good time. Yeah, like, it's definitely something I could play. And, like, I, I guarantee you I've played this bass line by accident. Like, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just, like, a little more effort than you need, right? And that's always yeah. nice to see. Yeah. But let me listen to this organ thing real quick. Sure, yeah. It kind of does, like, riffs in the background and, like, trills and stuff. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's like a jazz organ or something. Or maybe like a I don't know. I I'm going to I'm going to lean towards organ, but like the type of organ that's like that sounds kind of like piano like. Right. Yeah, it's it's like a like yeah, a, it's Yeah. I man, like I was at organ or something. I was at Long and McQuaid in uh in Surrey the oh, other yeah. week and they had a miniature uh what the fuck is it? Oh my god, why am I blanking on the, the metal pole? Uh, theremin? Yeah, they had a miniature theremin. Miniature like theremin? A, it was like a portable one, so it was basically, it was essentially like a stereo, but with a theremin sticking out of it and just like knobs to work the volume and shit on it. It was tight. <laughs> that it was is 400 cool. bucks or I would have got it. They can be very, they're so expensive, but like, they're not expensive to build. You mm-hmm. can build them yourself. My, uh, I had a teacher, he always did this thing. Uh, in his first class, he made a theremin that, because as you may know, theremin has has uh, two has a uh, an antenna and a loop, and one of them controls the frequency and one of them controls the volume. Mm-hmm. So, but instead of having an antenna and a loop, he had uh, an accelerometer that could tell what mm-hmm. angle it was at, and a light sensor. So, I believe the light sensor controlled the frequency. And in his first class, he'd always be like someone want to come up and play this theremin and then they try to use the light sensor and he'd be holding the the like accelerometer to the lowest volume and it wouldn't make any sound and be like what's wrong and like okay dr smith you're doing something and then he'd like move it and it would start to make sound and he'd be like look what you can make with embedded system anyway he's a nutcase but <laughs> that's fucking rad as hell but it's rad <laughs> you think he got a job as a professor just to show off his cool theremin <laughs> No, he was like he had done a lot of things he was fairly he was pretty old and like used to be like a physics 
uh, he had like, yeah, I think he had a PhD in physics and then later was just like, oh, I'm not going to do physics anymore. I'm going to go into like electrical engineering. I'm like, okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's his thing. Um, I wouldn't mind yeah, so being a professor little... when I'm old as shit. Yeah. I feel like that'd be a good time. That would probably be, it, it seems like, like if you're, you know, teaching young people and being old and just doing research, maybe. Yeah. Keeps yeah. you alive, I think, you know. Probably. There's some old professors. <laughs> Anyway, we've gone Something's a long distance from talking about jazz organs. We have, yeah. All right, back on back on track. So there's also lots of um, harmonies in this one. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but she doesn't do the same sort of harmony progression. Like on True. the the final verse, it's just her. So it's like an opposite. It's like reverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about this one is the slide guitar, which we did not mention. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. Like between so lines, yeah, it's guitar, like, yeah. like it does. Yeah, very like, country. You know, it brings a uh, brings a country rock vibe to this. Which is, I mean, the original was a little country rock, but by now probably that had been more established because it's a few years later. Yeah, that's we're looking at guess. the evolutions of country rock here. You know. Yeah. So that's shout out cool. to the release of the new Pokemon game, which takes place in Britain. The the country. Yeah, Great Britain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you gonna get that new Pokemon game, Alex? Uh, no plans to yet. But Not I, me neither. I participated in Community Day yesterday, so nice, I'm still, Alex. I'm still playing Pokemon. I'm just <laughs> just not not playing the new ones yet. We'll see. Yeah, I was just talking about evolution. So that's why I brought that up. Um, cool. I I missed that part, so I was uh, lost. Yeah, there is one okay. more thing. Uh, they have a mouth harp at the end that goes like, bow, 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 you know, mm. sometimes yeah, that is we, called a Jew harp. Point. Yeah, we covered this on another episode. Yeah, I can't I remember, remember which talking. one, though. But um, yeah, so that's neat. And then it also. Yeah, I feel like Cher was a real, a real kooky woman in the in the 60s. But she's totally normal now. Yeah, she totally she's works a nine to five. <laughs> she's an accountant now. She's, she's really yeah. mellowed out at like 73 or whatever. Yeah, no, but she's just, like, so exemplary of, like, what, like, pop, kooky 60s music would be. Yeah, although apparently this album didn't do very well at all. Really? It was 3614 called... Jackson Highway was not a good album? Apparently, well, it wasn't um, commercially successful, but it was mm. it was critically successful. Oh, it's, uh, well, this is, is it just covers? Um. She does sitting on the dock of the bay. I didn't think so, but. I don't know all these songs, so... Yeah, that's know. the only one I can recognize. So there's at least two covers on here. But it was the late 60s. What is at that address? Is it a studio? There's a picture on the front cover, so maybe... I do see that. I wonder, because it, be it would be a cool um, concept to do covers of songs that were recorded at that studio. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm surely that something like that's been done before, right? I don't know. Must it have. would be cool, uh, but I have no idea. Mission's record was conceived as a way to bring success to share as well as a group over a two-year period. The constant evolution of pop culture, uh, something. Uh, although the album was largely ignored by the public, critical reception was enthusiastic. Okay, taking a look at the uh, the writing credits. So uh, we got Stephen Stills as the writer for what it's worth. Just Enough to Keep Me Hanging On was written by Buddy Mize and Ira Allen. Did Cher write her own stuff? I don't know. 
because okay, so several songs on this are by Bob Dylan. Hmm. Um, there's one by Steve Cropper and Otis Redding. Oh, that's sitting on the dock of the bay, obviously. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking this is a cover album because it says the purpose of the album was to bring uh, commercial success to Cher and Sonny and Cher. So uh, I think the idea behind it was to take popular culture songs and fucking, you know, make yeah. Cher do them. Well, it's not the first album of covers we're going to be talking about today. No, there's quite a few today, and each one has a, a bizarre cover on it. We'll talk about later. But, yes, but coming up next, in the, in the, in the, oh, here's the thing, Alex. The, the Crosby, Stills, Nash version we're talking about is technically done in 2012. 2012, yes, it was. Because it's a live performance. The original version they did of it was in 1983. Couldn't find that version. So should okay. we move to Link 80 and then loop back to Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Yeah, let's talk about Link 80 first. In 1997. Telling me I've got to be Scott punk band from San Francisco. Imagine. Imagine that. So this one opens with a clip from Happy Gilmore. Yes. Yes, it certainly does. Where he says, I'll sit down by the bay and yeah, eat so, some so hay. The, the, the villain threatens him by saying... Shooter McGavin. Yeah, Shooter McGavin says, "You'll." he says, like, you'll rue the day or something. You better do what I say. He, like, he it, it, like accidentally rhymes his threat to Adam Sandler's character. And so then, then Adam Sandler yeah. mocks Adam that. Sandler's character, Happy Gilmore, makes fun of him by also rhyming, but in a, in a uh, what's the word? Nonsensical way. Yeah. He says, what does he fucking say? Let me, let me pull this up. But the thing is, what I have to say about that, I always forget that his name is Happy Gilmore in that. Because, in happy, because it doesn't <laughs> seem like maybe his name is Gilmore and he's just happy or something. Yeah, he's, he's just, no, but because his, uh, his film company is Happy Madison. Right. Which is based off of Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Right. His only two successful films. I, is that true? That might be true. That's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Uh, anyway, anyway, so anyway, so this, this opens with that for some, for some yeah. This reason. opens with that for reasons I don't understand. And then there's like a couple seconds of silence, and then just mm-hmm. boom! Suddenly the song starts. Yeah, and this is this one is very much like ska and punk, like split. Like the verses are ska, where you get the the these horns with the, they do like like horn stings. Yeah, and then sometimes do the little bit thing. Yeah, and it's like so clearly like ska. You're like, oh, okay, this is we're in for a little poppy, like real big fish time. Yeah, and then it does that like heavy metal, like into the chorus, and then there's a stop, hey, what's up, up? Yeah, like we go hardcore punk, which yeah. Although right at the end, then. On the last word, when they say, everybody look, what's going down? down. That's the and first time. down. But then, yeah. they, they, then it's, it's hardcore screaming after that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I it found, is very like, yeah. split. Yeah, and I found it jarring. Like, it was difficult to, like, find the actual spirit of the song, because it was just so split between the two. Yeah, it's, it's a different attitude of... of um, of defiance, I think. You know, it's been three decades since the original song. There's a lot 
there's a, a different feeling in the late 90s versus the late 60s towards police violence and and the idea of curfews arbitrary curfews i think right yeah we're definitely in a different era of rebellion in the 90s and i guess this does reflect that i just wonder if they should have gone heavy the whole way or if there's like there should be horns in the heavy part or something just something to 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 bring it together yeah because it is very separate and it feels separate because it's definitely interesting like i can't help but listen to it because it is so jarring but and maybe that's also what they're going for yeah maybe it's also only like two minutes long because they do like a fucking just fade out for 20 seconds with a like a a note ringing out and they do another they do they fade out for a long time Mm-hmm. And then a couple of like drum clashes on the cymbal, and then it's done. But like right before their like really long fade out thing, he just shouts, "You hippie fuckers!" Yeah. So is he pro cop? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's confusing. Why My guess is like... a ska punk band in the late '90s is not pro cop, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was anti hippie. Yeah, that could be it, right? As they're establishing themselves as maybe they're saying that the hippie way of protesting was was right. weak, and what you really need to do is skank. Yeah, you gotta skank all day, man. Yeah, skank those fucking cops, you hippie bastards. So, I mean, I think, I don't think that it's new, uh, a new idea to be like, yeah, the hippies kind of failed. Like, they their thing didn't really happen. Right. Uh, they sort of gave up, and, and I think, I've heard the term the hippies sold out, which I mm. I can see where that came from. So, if the that's what they were going for, like, yeah, the hippies... Uh, gave up and now we have to do it instead sort of thing yeah so right. like, hey guys remember like... this well here you go so maybe that's here why you, go, you yeah. do like the more laid-back version and then the more intense version kind of represents the difference between the original which was pretty laid-back and then the now which is this hardcore screaming version yeah and even the laid-backness of the this part is the, the like those horns have punch to them they're punchy yeah. it's not laid back in the same way for sure yeah, it's very much like a Gen X, like, tear down the old shit, but also nothing's good these days, you know? Yeah, that's like, uh, have you seen that SNL sketch with Fred Armisen and, like, fuck. Anyway, um, and it's like, he's, he's like, getting his old punk band together at his daughter's wedding, and they're just, like, playing at this wedding reception, like, knocking shit over, and he, like, knocks the cake over, and they're just, like, <laughs> screaming about, like, the establishment and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> that kind of attitude. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, still participating in everything, but they're, they they make an active display to be like, we fucking hate this. Yeah. Which so, is, as I say it out loud, I realize is my life philosophy. So Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, hard to get over that. Anyway, yeah, that's what this version is. It's very 90s. Yeah. Uh, with that, let's talk about uh, a band not from the 90s, but doing covers in 2004. It's, it's Rush. Telling me I've got to beware. I think it's time we stop. Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Rush. Yes, this Canadian is... Canadian Treasure. The first cover ver- I knew this one ahead of time. I didn't know yeah, the I other covers. You, uh, I believe you have this on vinyl, don't you? Uh, yeah, you gave it to me. Damn right. I <laughs> certainly wasn't doing that just to, to get points. <laughs> uh, for my birthday, thank you. Um, 
I also got this CD out of the library mm. in grade nine. And yeah, so I, I've known this one for a long time. This version is very, like, this has a lot of, like, chaos to it. It's very tense. Mm-hmm. It's especially, a- I wonder if part of that comes with the knowledge of, like, Rush as a band and knowing their musical profile. It's because it, so? they're doing it, they play it kind of straight, right, for the most part. For like, the most part, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. But you're kind of waiting for that rush moment where things kind of take off. You're like, well, it's rush. They're going to do some fucking rush shit. Right. And I guess the other side of that is I think this was the first thing they did after not performing for like almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. So like that would be amplified if you were expecting, well, maybe not after 90s rush. But if you forgot about 90s rush and you're expecting like, like holds your fire rush and went to right. this, you'd be like when's the synth coming in <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's just this like really tense like discordant guitar sound throughout yeah the name of the album is feedback and i think yes. that and there's a lot the of that of the guitar like perfectly yeah also think that's a great name for a, a cover album isn't feedback. it i can't believe like it must have happened more than once it's such a good name. yeah that's so good uh, <laughs> um but yes it's so it's got it, they they like play the harmonic part uh, but, and, like, the drums are... Are the drums doing the same thing? Yeah, do they hit, like, a cowbell or something in the chorus? Maybe. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It sounds, uh, it sounds like a kind of... Like, you know, a snare without the snare tightened? Yeah. Almost. And no, it's a tom, in... I think. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so they do the, the, the like, original drum rhythm. They're like... Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's Neil Peart, so like he's doing other shit too. Cause like, yeah, what's he gonna not a... do? Like insane drums? Like he's Neil Peart. There's like a whole ambient soundscape here that you can honestly miss. I think if you don't have like, if you're not actively listening, or if you don't have headphones or something on to like get the full audio experience. For sure, yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's a lot of Rush. It's like it kind of has that that depth that you don't need, but it adds so much to it. Mm-hmm. We're big Rush fans, in case anyone didn't know. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I still get that fucking T-shirt from the Clockwork Angels tour tour in uh, what was that 2013? 20 yeah, July 2013. Oh, 2013. Because it was yeah, because it was after the yeah. floods, right? Uh yeah, it was right after the floods. That's why it was moved to mm-hmm. Red Deer in Alberta. That's right. North and we and we got we all three of us, us uh you, me and John Bell. Yes, we were with John Bell. And we all got the same shirt. You initially got a different shirt because you didn't want to. Because I was the same a fool. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna get the exclusive this concert only supporting flood relief in southern Alberta shirt instead. And it was a yeah. good choice to go back and exchange it. Fuck yeah, it was. Yeah. So, back on this uh, song. Another Another note about the okay, band while sure, we're on sure. it. Uh, my girlfriend, Greta James, believed this band to be fictional, made up for the movie I Love You, Man, <laughs> <laughs> until she met me. Uh, and then you're like, why do you have a, a t-shirt for a fictional band? <laughs> and then you sort of slid your Spinal Tap t-shirt under something. Oh, and you're like, like uh, oh, what? That's crazy. Uh, uh, who the fuck would do that? <laughs> yeah so so this one the other so yeah there's some there's a lot to talk about in this song i think uh we won't go into too much detail but like yeah it's definitely like a really like hard 
rock guitar part. It's not like fast, but like they'll get into the chorus and then the guitar really kind of opens up and it's got that distortion and it's more just yeah. like strumming. But there's also like other guitars making just like 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 chalkboard scratching, not really, but lower sounds. Yeah. Like and it, a, it's like really a... there's so much feedback and like and and like just clashing harmonics between all these sounds that it's mm-hmm. very there's this real tension. It's like a almost like I don't know if I want to call it tame or like an expertly crafted version of noise rock. Where you take this idea of kind of having all these sounds kind of going, but they carefully select them because they're rush, right? It's like we right. have this this sort of like it starts with a noise that's almost like a plane going off, you know? I think it's just like a yeah. It sounds like a jet engine. Yeah, I don't know what it is. If and then and then it kind of engine. builds from there, and there's like you get like yeah, like you said, like these sort of just kind of ambient guitar notes and things like that, and. Yeah, it just fills the space, which is, like, if you listen to the, the I'm going to call it the front of the track, but, like, the main stuff that's going on right. is pretty faithful to the original. Yeah, absolutely. But, and, like, and even, yeah, sorry. No, uh, like, even Getty Lee's singing, like, it sounds like Getty Lee, but he is pretty much singing the song like it's sang in the original. Yeah, it's not like he's wailing it or anything. Like, he's pretty low-key as well. And I think that really gets to, like, it gets that feeling of of there being this like tension under the surface that's just like boiling up that you would get in like a protest situation of like we have to put on this this peaceful front because the police are there or whatever right but like everybody wants to just shout and and hit things cuz they're angry right but like you can't because that's not ne- really necessarily conducive to to get achieving your goals Right, so the lead guitar is sort of the emotional context, whereas the vocals are like the what you're putting out front, right? Yeah, yeah, and then there's like layers of, it doesn't sound like there's, I mean, there's not one guitar here, because there's like a 12 mm-hmm, string and there's some electric guitars, but I always wonder with Alex Lifeson, like, how much of it is one guitar? Because I feel like he could do right. more with one guitar than most people. I, I would like, be curious to see him do like some Lindsey Buckingham shit. I would I would like to see what he can do. In that level. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, they're both extremely talented guitar players, so I'm sure it mm-hmm. would be possible. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is a very tense version, uh, and I think it's a real good thing. Yeah, and then, like, they cut loose right at the end. We get, uh, like, Alex Lifeson starts ripping. Getty Lee kind of lets loose with the voice first a little bit, goes up like an octave. He's like, hey, everybody, look what's going down. And you're like, oh, shit, it's Rush. Like, that's kind of your, like, release of tension is where you're like, oh, they could have really gone off on this, but they, like, they kept it down for us. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, I guess, like, because that is the repeat, repeated choruses. So it mm-hmm. is kind of repeating just the chorus instrumentation, but now it's for longer and you can kind of, it's more on the surface. Yeah. But still not totally. Yeah, so for being like an on the on the face level, like a, just a faithful cover, they do a lot of good background work that I think makes this version interesting. Yeah, so way to go, way to go. Who knew Rush would do something well? Yeah, way to go, guys. Finally, <laughs> I told I told Greta the other day about twenty one twelve. I'm like, yeah, the song's twenty minutes long, and she was like, no, that's too long. I'm like, okay. Like, don't worry. If you get certain versions, it'll split it up into sections. That's right, it will. 
So he also it's a fucking banger. It's a good. It's it's worth listening to for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it's like when I think about twenty minute songs, it's Rush, and then you've got like Pink Floyd, and. Honestly, I can never say no to a song that long because it's just like. It, I mean, if it's good, and I guess there's also like "Thick as a Brick," by yeah, uh, that's Jeff right, Tull, which is technically forty minutes long because it. But mm. it really, it's an album. They just didn't split the songs up, like. Yeah, yeah, like all can, the songs like, run together, but like songs. they could have split the songs up if they wanted to, Easily. but they were just like fucking with people, so they didn't. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Speaking of fucking with people, Ozzy Osbourne in the year two thousand and. Fucking fine. Telling me I got to be well. I think it's time we stop. Children, what's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. 2005. This is from an album of covers called Undercover. Yeah. Um, I will say this just to start out. His cover of Working Class Hero, I think, is actually very good. Oh. How would you compare it to the Tin Machine cover of Working Class Hero? Um, I do like the Tin Machine cover too. I it's I think I I haven't listened to the Tin Machine version in so long though. I think the Tin Machine one, if I'm recalling, is just like a little overwrought, like it's just a little too sad or something. What it, you Let you mean David David Bowie sings dramatically? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I didn't listen to that, the, uh, Aussie cover, so I'll have to check it out. But, actually, it's, like, it's not even dramatic now that I'm listening to it. It's quite, it's quite up. I don't know, Tin, Tin Machine, I gotta be in the right mood for, Alex, that's what I'll that's say fair. about it. That's fair, that's fair. Um, Ozzy Osbourne. This is, this cover version is odd and almost comical. How so? I just something about like the backup vocalists and like how he's got sort of a weird sing-songy tone to his voice in a, in an Ozzy Osbourne way. Yes, it makes me it makes me think of like like metal or like like Alice Cooper in particular, where the songs have an air of comedy and the vocals are supposed to give you that. But it's not comical. Yeah, the context of the song isn't really comical. I I would agree. Um, it's kind of it's also 2005 was a weird time for like classic rock, yeah, legend types. In that there was some very strange like not great output, and then they kind of in, in some of them got their shit together later. But um, yeah, what's well, because David Bowie stopped in 2003, and without yeah, that without shining Bowie, light like, to guide you, what do you have? Yeah nothing no you're right though like the mid 2000s was a weird wasteland for old rockers it was just like what do you do yeah they just put out and then like something changed i don't know what (laughs) but they started to put up i don't know better stuff but anyway um this is like this is metal but the beginning is not very metal sounding this is like again we've we've kind of called this like this is your dad's metal. Yeah, definitely. The beginning is like very light, and then like there's the acoustic guitar is now on a bass, like the the acoustic guitar mm-hmm. line, and then he comes yeah, up and he's doing his Aussie something's happening, like his Aussie voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of nasally, kind of. It almost sounds like it could be auto tuned, but you know that's just what Ozzy Osbourne sounds like. Yeah, or maybe it is auto tuned. Maybe it is. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, lots of things happen, or not even necessarily auto tuned, but like there's probably still vocal 
effects going on. And if it's right. 2005, the digital effects aren't going to be as good. True that, Alex. Um, True that. So there's also, I mean, they added like a bunch, kind of as they go, add more distortion and stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. there's some guitar licks and guitar solos. So it gets a little more, like, metal, but it's fairly tame. Yeah. It's, like, hard rock more than it is metal. Yeah, with, like, a metal sound. Exactly. Yeah, you put a you put it through a metal filter, like a metal tone on the guitar, but it's played like a hard rock instrument. Yeah. And there's also... They throw... There's a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. And during the guitar solo, they throw in, like, a piano as well. Yeah, that piano's just there for the solo, right? It's I think not it comes in throughout again the, the rest end. of it. Yeah, I think you're right. It also reminds me of vocally. It reminds me of Sam Kinison's cover of Wild Thing, where it's just the kind of, kind of got this group rock dynamic. I don't know. Just like having a bunch of people hanging out, sort of thing. Yeah, like a yeah, kind of like a dive bar classic, but done by a professional. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The Probably the most interesting thing about this version to me is of all the four verses are done a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So the first one, there's like the kick and the guitar strums. Uh, there's like, ban it on every measure. Ban it. And like, there'll be a kick. And then the second verse, they got more of a straight rock beat going on the drums. And like, there's the little like guitar licks between the lines between singing, you know? Which mm-hmm. ha- which happens in a lot of songs, um, and then he says mines because you know he's Ozzy Osbourne, yeah, he's Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and then the third verse is back to the straight kicks on the drums, but it adds a bunch of backup vocals. Right. Um, and actually, I liked the paranoia verse. I thought that was probably the coolest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll agree to that. Yeah, so like there's filter sweeps and like there's lots of like really hard repeated guitar hits and then briefly like a sitar kind of sound. Yeah, it was like it almost sounded like the Beatles, like later era Beatles. It was like, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, just like for a bit though. Mm hmm. It was, yeah, maybe like three seconds. So interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of like elements in this song that I don't know if they're all. Yeah, I don't know if it speaks to the spirit of the original, but it's it's certainly not a it's not a bad track. It's not what I would pick if I was listening to for what it's worth, though. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a little odd, but and it's got some interesting elements. But uh, yeah, it seems seems odd, odd to me. Mm-hmm. But Coming I, I didn't next dislike song, it. No, um, no me neither. I, there's nothing really else to mention, though. Yeah, it's just an oddball one. It's just like it's odd. Yeah. Coming up next on 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 oddballs, we got. How do you say this one, Alex? Queen's Is it right. Queen's Queen Strike? Queen's Strike, and I know this because Jeff Tate of Queen's Strike opened for Alice mm. Cooper the second time I saw him. Mm-hmm. And I only know that that's how you pronounce it because John told me. And John filled me in on the whole, because this was back in 2012, which is just mm-hmm. a few months after Jeff Tate was fired from Queensryche. Ah. So I got this whole story from John because he knew it because he listened to Queensryche. So we saw Jeff Tate open for Alice Cooper, and it was not great. Uh, his microphone for his saxophone didn't work, so you couldn't hear his saxophone at all. 
And there was one point where we were like, shit, where's the bass player? And then later the bass player just walked back on with a new cable and like started playing again. So the bass player had technical difficulties and just left the stage for a while. Jesus Christ. So it wasn't a great show, but this band's been like around since like 1980. And this was yeah, that's right. him touring solo. And there's a while where he toured as Queensryche and the rest of the band also toured as Queensryche. And anyway, it's a whole thing. But this is Queensryche in 2007 before all this noise. Yeah, apparently their big like breaking hit album was called Operation Mind Crime, which sounds which is so going cool. To be the title of my autobiography, <laughs> Operation Mind Crime. <laughs> but this is also a cover album. It's called Take Cover. Yeah. So now we have three cover and albums they do, called they, Undercover. They do a cover Take of cover. the Jesus Christ Superstar hit Heaven on their mind. Oh shit! They totally do. Huh? They also have Innuendo, which is kind of neat. Hey, Nito. I guess that's an appropriate name a song to do for a band with queen in their name way to go guys way to go queens right so this is metal um it's sure like is. a driving rhythm guitar they still got the two like guitar harmonic notes but they're pretty quiet in the mix and they don't stick around throughout the song like they do in the original yeah just for that intro and then more just like straight strumming yeah, they also reference that acoustic guitar line in the beginning as well, and then that disappears as well. That doom 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 doom. Um, and it's like metal singing. It's a lot higher. Sounds yeah, like yeah, it, it would be in a metal song. So like the 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 chorus line, the the line everybody knows, is divided into sort of two parts, quite distinctly. Stop! Hey, what's that sound? Yeah, and the first time they do it, that's all they say. They don't yeah. say, "Everybody, look what's going down." Um, mm-hmm. They just like play some distorted guitars. And yeah, that's like the big thing is they change that rhythm of the lyrics. Yeah, and they and then again when they bring it bring in the chorus the second time they break up the uh spacing of words mm-hmm. so they go everybody look what's going down you're like oh wow look at that oh look what's going down <laughs> what is going down queen strike but it, it suffers from uh sort of like i think i think a few versions suffer from this is a kind of one notedness or it's just like, here's the verse. Oh, chorus goes up a little. It's like, now nah, we're back to the verse. And I was like, ah, here's the chorus again. Here's the verse. Yeah, this one, I mean, with the like really laid back sort of country rockness of the original and mm-hmm. then comparing that to like metal music, it's a reasonably big difference, you know? It's a definitely different feel. Uh, than I would expect from metal. So it's probably difficult to marry those two things together. I think they did yeah. a decent job of it. I think it's a pretty good version. Yeah, again, it's not awful. Yeah. It's just uh, it's not the version I would pick. Yeah, I I wasn't in love with it. But no. stop. Hey, what's that sound? I, I think that actually works pretty well for differentiating it, too. Yeah, really usually like the... changing up the the rhythm of of the melody like that does a pretty good job in in making it feel different and distinct. Mm-hmm. I'd agree to that, Alex. Yeah, I'm sure I've said that a hundred times before. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, you probably well, have. just kidding. We don't have that many episodes. 
That doesn't mean you haven't said it that many times, Alex. True, I would only have to say it like maybe twice per episode, which is we, yeah, we, not. We let's jump in at least uh, ten times per episode. So on that note, let's yeah, jump in that. to our next cover: Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You may note the lack of Young. He was too busy writing songs criticizing the other three at this time. You might think that, but what he was actually (laughs) doing. So this was originally going to be a Buffalo Springfield reunion tour. And after they got everything set up, all the personnel were hired. I think Mm -hmm. the venues might have been booked. I don't know. Neil Young dropped out because he's a dick. And He's kind of a dick, isn't he? And did a, a crazy horse tour instead. Uh. And so Steven Sills was like, what the fuck do I do? And then he called up Crosby and Nash and was like, yo, you guys want to do a tour? So they did this. Amazing. <laughs> and that's why this version was recorded. So who's singing on this version? The main Pro- Probably singer. Steven Stills. I, I don't know. I didn't look it up. Does Steven Stills sound like the oldest man in history? He's, yeah, he sounds so old here. Um, He might. No, I think it is Stephen Stills, and I'll tell you why. Um, mm. There's parts of this song that when he says, hooray for our side, it's around 210. Yeah. If you listen to the way he says that, the way he holds that hooray, oh, hooray, really reminds me of the way he says, I came upon a child of God when, when Crosby, Stills, and Nash, maybe young, covered Woodstock. Okay. So interesting. There's a little parallel. I'm pretty sure this is Steven Stills, just sounding real old. Right. So this reminds me of the version we talked about of the uh, the fucking song by them, Gloria. It must have been Gloria. Yeah. With uh, John Lee Hooker and Van Morrison. Right. Where it's it's just like two old guys having a blues jam, except this one's three <laughs> old guys. <laughs> yeah, they added an extra old guy and did a blues jam. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's. It's a different style. It's it's so, like the Crosby, Stills, and Nash came together a few years after Buffalo Springfield, so all of them had a little bit more distinctive style. They played together for many years, so it's they're much more confident in everything. Uh, yeah, this is just like a established group of musicians doing a song from decades earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, it's more like hard rock. I think a little bit. Yeah. Like it's got a harder edge to it compared to the original. And electric guitars being a key part of that. Electric I think. guitars being a key part of that. And uh, their voices too, because they are so like gruff now because they're old. Mm hmm. They still got some pretty decent harmonies though. Yeah. They do. A good, it just sounds like older guys sing it though, you know? It's... It sure does. And they do, a, like, it's just six minutes long, and that's because they throw it. This is the version we would have got if they didn't cut off the original track. <laughs> Because right. it's just like solos like, for four minutes. Gotta cut it down minutes. to 305 or whatever it is. Yeah. Three, that's, <laughs> thank you, Billy Joel. <laughs> thank you, Billy Joel. Um, really hoping we get some responses to what Billy Joel song people are. Your, your Billy Joel Sona. Oh, yeah. We, we got a hashtag Billy Joel Sona. We keep them coming in, people. And by keep them coming in, I mean start them coming in. <laughs> and then keep them coming in. Because we want to know. But I don't know. To have, don't have anything. Or I haven't checked. Have you checked? Down to 305. 
so let us know. Yeah, they but do yeah. a good job making the choruses big compared to the the verses. And I'm um, sure was... there is a electric piano or organ that's very quietly mixed, but this is also a live version. So they just like turn the what the the keyboardist down. Yeah, so it's it's worth noting that this is five minutes and fifty six seconds long. The actual track ends at four forty nine. And then we just get to hear them announce that the bassist Kevin McCormick's wife was named the principal of her grandma's school. Oh yes, that definitely that's happens a, in the. That's in the year 2012. So congratulations to Kevin McCormick's wife, who is maybe oh. still the principal. Yeah, I hope you're still principaling. I mean, it's only been seven years. Yeah. So, could be. It's not. Not so. So out of the question. Or principal. Maybe there's an intendant. Do they have intendants and superintendents? Well, I should hope so, or else what's a superintendent? Yeah. Not just a, a, an intendant with a fancy title. Something to think about. Something for us all to think about. Stop. Hey, what's that sound? It's the last song we're going to be talking about today. Is it? No, I'm kidding. I thought we, <laughs> for some reason, it's the second last song. Don Landis in 2019. So Don Landis, I don't not spelled L A N D E S, not I S. So she is not related to like Max Landis, just so everybody knows. Mm, just um, so clear. If you go to her website, she has a bio section, and it's just like a bunch of bullshit, like poetry stuff. It's like other echoes inhabit the garden. Shall we follow? Quick, said the bird. Find them, find them round the corner, through the first gate into our first world. Shall we follow the deception of the thrush? into our first world and there's four more paragraphs of that and Jesus then Christ. a link to her wikipedia page which i think is so cheeky and great <laughs> it's just a bunch of poetry and then just like read the fucking wikipedia page yeah it's like somebody else has done it for me <laughs> thanks for reading my weird ass poetry <laughs> awesome job John so Landis. way to so, go yeah. Don. she's an american singer songwriter <laughs> she was part of the uh, sufyan stevens touring band in the years 2015 to 2016 that's a name we've talked about before Probably. Um, she's a, been a producer and an engineer as well. She's done some film compositions. So she's a r like a real working musician in that she does pretty much every part of it. What have we talked uh, about? What has that guy done? Done fuck all. Um, he's done a cover of Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. Oh, that's a good song. I think so, anyway. Just like... It's a good song, but also there's like a baby crying later on. It gets a little annoying. Yeah. Or maybe it's early baby's on. Crying. There's a baby crying in that song. Anyway. Um, two. That baby's name? Two. Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein. Um, Don Landis, Alex. Yeah, so this, this is... This version, she counts us into it. Which is nice. That's nice. It prepares you for what it's worth. So this is also very laid back. Yes. Uh, there's like two guitars... Mm -hmm. that seemed to be based off the original. Yeah. Cut, but with a little more, like, uh... With a little more motion? I guess, yeah. Ding, uh, ding, and she doesn't ding, do ding, the... Yeah. There's, like, harmonics or something going on. Is it harmonics, or is she just... She yeah, just I don't think they're harmonics. I think she plays, yeah. like, kind of plays fifths, or one of the guitars. I think yeah. there's two guitar parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd agree to that. 
And then, yeah, it's basically like there's a faster picking guitar and then slower, like sustained, really echoey notes. Um, and then actually it does sound, it's got to be two guitar parts, I think, because when she starts singing, the picking turns to strumming, which usually means someone needs to focus on the vocals over the guitar. Mm. Um, it is the equivalent of the piano just hold chords which is very ah, nice. Um, a little industry insight from Alex Mildenberger. Not a secret. Was <laughs> um, <laughs> to me, Alex. <laughs> she also does this, like, low... The, um, in the chorus, there's, like, a, a second vocal track, but it's super, like, lo-fi. It's got that megaphone sound. Yeah! Sort of in keeping with the, like, protest themes. Mm-hmm. Good idea. I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, yeah you're right. Like as a and as a lo-fi vocal track, it to me kind of sounds megaphony. Not exactly, mm-hmm. not as much as like Feel Good Ink, right? But it's kind of got that sound. Yeah, it's it's approaching that. It's like the synthetic version of that, where I think Gorillaz hits it a little more on the nail. Right. Yeah. This this was. It's kind of interesting. You mentioned that synthetic aspect because this song kind of has that. Uh, with a lot of the effects where it's got that ethereal sound, but on the other hand, it's got that, like, it's got some, like, clicks and, like, hand drumming and stuff that make it sound mm-hmm. very present. So it's kind of got both right. sides of that. Yeah, so it's like a produced version of lo-fi. Yeah. It's like hi-fi, lo-fi. Hi-fi, lo-fi. Hi, lo-fi, fi. Fi-fi. Yeah, so, yeah, you kind of summed up everything I've noticed on this one. Cool. She, en- she ends the song with the line, think it's time we stop. And then she stops. And then she stops. There's also bubbles. Bubbles. There's, well, if you go to like 125, uh-huh. there's like bubble sounds. That's where I first noticed them. You hear the bubbles? Bubble sounds. Kind of like a sending bubbly sound. Ah, I heard yeah. it. Yeah, it comes, yeah. It comes in a couple times. Sort of like on on the intro to uh, oh shit, what the fuck is that song? We just talked about bubbles recently. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, no, it's like on uh, no on um uh, 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 it's on it's on time to pretend by MGMT. Okay, I can't. you get sort of these sort of chirping electronic bubbles at the start, I similar can't, to can't that. Corroborate that. I will corroborate it. I agree with you, Jake. Thank you, Jake. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> there's also, uh, at the end, there's, like, this sound that is, like, a, like, it's almost glassy clink sound. Mm-hmm. But it might also be, like, a, a really dull, like, whatever kind of fo- instrument, I forget what kind of instrument a xylophone is. Right. It's a cool instrument. It's a chill instrument. It's, it's a woodwind. Woodwind. <laughs> uh it's percussion. I knew that. Um something funk. Um we're gonna, we're gonna jump to the next version? one. Here There's else? some stuff in this version, but I think that's all. It's like yeah, it's, it's, like we said, it's pretty laid back sounding too, so it's got some like low energy backups that are like ooh that Yeah. That I didn't love, but maybe fit in with the song anyway. I haven't decided. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sold on this one as a. I don't know. As anything. <laughs> I I do like the the lo-fi backup vocals though. I thought those were a nice touch. 
Yeah, I guess it works. For some at the time I didn't think much of them, but now that I think back, I I don't know why. So now with that, let's talk about our final version for real this time, the Lone Bellow in twenty nineteen. Alex, what can you tell me about the Lone Bellow? Uh they're a trio from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Uh they play music. Got yeah, music. Together. Okay. Together music. Um mm. It's a new genre of music. Yeah, together music. No, uh, the the first paragraph sentence of their Wikipedia page just says they're a musical group. Uh, yeah, but, but their genres their are listed genre as Americana, <laughs> alt country, and indie folk. Hey, these guys have been a band as long as we've been out of high school. So way to go, the lone bellow. And I yeah, always want to say the lone below. The lone below. But there's too many L's. That is a fact, Alex. So, now that we know who this band is, they're uh yeah, together band. Let's talk about what is probably the softest version of this. Impressively, yes. It's so very very soft. Mhm. Is it sad? Ain't exactly. Uh, not quite. No, not so much. Um so it's it's again a very sparse version. So, mm-hmm. which we really haven't seen since the original. Um that sparseness. Maybe on, on Don Landis's um Maybe. But there's like this the 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 harmonic thing is being played on this synthesizer. Which got be like boom boom. So it's Yeah. More definitely more modern sounding there. But the other thing it has is they have like a I don't know if you call it a pedal in the background, like a constant like like hum of a synthesizer throughout the whole yeah, thing. It's, yeah, it's consistent in the background, that synth sustain. That's sort of, uh, it's like a, I guess it must be a pad, right? Where it's got that kind of angelic quality to it. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. just like holding that for the whole thing. Uh, which definitely gives it like this ethereal feeling, right? Yeah, this is like, it was, this is what you would play at the end of an episode of a, a Netflix original series where like everybody like two somebody dies there's a riot going on and there's two other people fucking yeah this is credits music for sure <laughs> yeah this is like winding down the episode but like music. not the last episode this is like no something happened and it's kind of sad like a bunch of tension was released but in a sad way yeah exactly so which maybe works for protest thing mm-hmm. i don't know yeah, we do get the alternating vocals between the, the male and female, right? Yeah, they kind of alternate at first and then, like, harmonize for most of the rest of it. Like, yeah. Like, they do a couple like separate... for the choruses, yeah. for sure. I think even the later verses... Yeah, and the later like, verses, I'm listening to that now. ...get pretty straight, like, harmonies. Which, eh, they could have done a little more build, but I don't know if it matters. Yeah, it's just like this one's so low. I guess the other thing is like being in a group is such an important part of protesting that sort of briefly you get that theme of like coming together. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um yeah. What's that sound? You know what? Yeah. What is that sound? Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. They put, they, you know, they do the, the line, like, what's going down? What's going down? Yes. And but, you're like, I don't know. 
about that take on the line. (laughs) Here's the thing. The instrumentation stays the same, basically, Mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing. And that represents nothing ever changing, even though they're coming together. There you go. Themes. Themes, baby, and the music. Yeah, this one was just, like, it was fine. Like, a lot of these ones were just fine. Yeah, this one didn't hit very hard. But I think it was reasonably well put together. But I, I did leave feeling a little bit like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Not Sometimes we end on, on such a bang or final track, and it's, it's I don't know. I can't really, have to, after having done this project for over a year, I cannot right. really criticize modern covers any more than I can like lift them up. I can't say that we've gotten better or worse at covering music. Right. <laughs> and this one, it's, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's another one I that I know. think would be neat to see live. Mm-hmm. In it. But, but I don't know if if it's as good as a recording. Yeah, I think this will be a lovely performance. But yeah, in terms of just listening to it, like it doesn't it doesn't provide I'm not thinking about protests while I listen to this. I'm not thinking about like how fucked the world is. I'm just like why are you guys singing this so softly? <laughs> hey, what what you, what you guys doing that for? You're like stop. Hey. Like, What's that sound? Like my mind is instead thinking about what Netflix show I probably saw this on. <laughs> sure, um, certainly I've heard this. Like, guy, I've had to, it was at the end of an episode of like, if I could living with myself or Riverdale or some shit. Sabrina, mm-hmm. the teenaged witch. I don't it's think that's not. the name of the series. Like. Sabrina, the the witch, the witch who's not quite an adult. Sabrina, the legal witch. <laughs> Finally, the show we've all been waiting for. Uh, that's all I gotta say about the one bellow. Anyway, um, yeah, same. With that, we're gonna jump into the final verdict. Wow, I didn't know you, you had installed a sound effects board in my skull. Yeah, it's I've had some free time on my hands. Uh, hire me as an audio engineer. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jake Cressy. What's up? Follow me on LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn has been telling me for years that if I have 30 connections, I'll get more jobs. I'm at 29 right now, and oh boy. Well, you better step it up then. I better step it up. Think about how much better it would be with 31. Oh my god, don't even get me started, bro. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to crack that 30 barrier. Make those connections. So we, got, we got three categories this week. It's the best version of this song, the worst version of this song, and the version you're gonna pull out at the next protest you go to. Oh, interesting. Ooh. So I guess the modern protest version would What's be that the category. Modern, most modern version. Hmm. With that in mind, Alex, starting from the negative point, working our way to the weird point, we're to go worst song first. Which is the worst version of this? Why is it the worst version of this? Oh. Oh, hang on, I need to yawn aggressively. Yeah, this, this podcast is boring, so take a moment to yawn. <laughs> yeah, everybody take a minute to yawn. Check, check your pulse. Get a nice Test. big glass of water and pour it all over yourself. Yeah. Check in with yourself. Then check your you pulse try? again. Because yeah, it might be elevated changed. now that you've poured water all over yourself. And then get let us know on Twitter at Jake the Cressy. That's J- that's J-A-K-E-T-H-E-C-R-E-S-S-Y. Or uh, at some Alex Wise guy. That's S-O-M-E-A-L-E-X-W-I-S-E-G-U-Y. 
and hashtag the pulse. Tell us what your pulse is after pouring water on yourself. <laughs> yeah. And blood pressure. Just the whole thing. Mm. We are uh, totally qualified to assess that. Oh, no, we're not going to assess it. We're just, we just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we won't tell you, though. We're qualified to do it, but we're not going to tell you anything. Um, so, what's the worst version of this song? What is the, what's the one? Do you have worst what's version? The, what's the, uh, after we t- sometimes I have a worst version after listening to it, and then we talk about them all, and it gets more difficult. I'm like, I don't, I'm yeah. not sure. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this one by one here. I'm going to say Staple Sisters, Staple, Staple Singers, good version. Share, good version. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Ah, fine. It's fine. Link 80, confusing. Po- like, potential candidate for worst version just because of how jarring it is. Yeah. But I'm not sure that it deserves that. It's very Rush. time. Rush, great version. Ozzy Osbourne. Again, it's in that weird category where it could be the, it's like, the, yeah, the worst. Okay. Like Queen, Queensryche. Again, mm, it could be the worst. Don Landis? Yeah, kind of. I li- eh, I probably yeah. wouldn't give. I probably wouldn't give Don Landis worse. Like, I I, yeah, I feel Don like there's Landis. enough interest in there. And then we got the Lone Bellow. I think it's got to be the Lone Bellow for me. It's just for me, it relies on. And maybe this is me being cynical. This might just be my cynical take, but it's relying yeah. on too many of the cheap tricks I've seen, it, particularly in modern covers. Just like to make to, people sad. Yeah, and generate a little interest. So like, ooh, male singer and female singer. Sometimes they sing apart. Sometimes together. Oh, and you're like, okay, yeah, we've fucking mm-hmm. seen this before. And they're like, but what if it was sad? And you're like, okay, yeah. Like the whole time we've talked about it, I've been thinking about songs built for TV shows. And in general, my opinion of songs built for TV shows, which I'll remind you, Aqualung's version of Take on Me was that exact purpose, are not very good. <sighs> So it's got to go to the lone bellow for me. All right. Fair enough. The lone bellow. I'm leaning towards giving it to Link 80. But I didn't mm-hmm. dislike that version. So this is a really it's tough a, one. Link 80 is flawed. Yeah. I, it, but it's, it needs it's, more unity. But it is. But it's, it's like that, that in itself is so punk. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I can't necessarily come at it for that. Uh, man. I'm gonna gonna give it to Ozzy Osbourne, ultimately. (laughs) Just because, like, choice. I didn't like it that much. And, and, uh, like, they did a lot of things to switch it up, so it was a little bit interesting, but I don't think it amounted to much. And, uh, it's just kind of there and okay. Yeah, it's just like from a from somebody who has such a like a legendary status. Ozzy Osbourne has some good songs, and like I said about Working Class Hero, he has some good covers too. And I don't think this one displays that. No, yeah, didn't do it for me. Yeah, no, I agree with that pick. I think that's a strong pick. Alex, what's the best version of this? Okay, so I'm probably a little biased, but I gotta give it to Rush because like fucking. <laughs> <laughs> How can I not? I don't know. It's and even like, oh, like I knew this song before. I knew this version, but but listening to it and 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 hearing like the other layers that are there, that that really add to that feeling of tension. Like its its ability to just create that feeling, I think is is so above and beyond most of the other versions. Hmm. 
if not all of them like like it's just it's just so tense throughout and and i think that really captures civil disobedience yeah they've managed to build yeah a version that is both at face value a straight cover but on a on a deeper listen is so interesting yeah and there's there's so much going on there and it and like you said it adds to the emotional value of the theme like it adds to the original song yeah like i came into this liking the song but knowing that it was pretty straightforward cover but not Mm -hmm. really having looked at that underneath part yeah exactly when you look at like the inner workings of this song so many of these other versions just provide something different it's not better it's maybe not worse but it like it is just different whereas rush kind of takes the original workings yeah and they 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 improve upon it they expand upon it they use rush's knowledge to make for what it's worth their own song and And, to make it a and modernize it in terms Mm -hmm. of like it its attitude towards what protest is Yes. And what civil unrest and civil disobedience feels like. And it's it's very possible we're both just Rush fanboying over this. But... That's very possible, because that is an accurate description of me. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't know. I love Rush too. Not yeah. I I don't engage with the, the work as much as you have, but I won't it's... apologize for liking Rush. No, good God no, never do that. <laughs> but yeah, it's fucking Rush, man. It's a it's a great version. I agree with you. It's the it's the best version that anybody put out of this after the original. With that, Alex, which version would you play at a modern protest? Oh, Cher. That would fucking kill at a modern protest. <laughs> like seriously, like Cher's I mean, it's kind of funky, you know? So like it's a little danceable, but also I was in looking up Cher, her apparently her latest slash current tour is for promoting like Mamma Mia 2. And she just came out with an album of of ABBA covers, like just cuz. Cause like if you're Cher, you can do what you want. Fuck like Yeah, Cher. And I just feel like Cher is in the public consciousness right now, like pretty positive. And a lot of I think that style of song would really would really kick at a protest. Yeah, buddy. Oh you're right. She released last year the album Dancing Queen. Yeah. Dancing Queen, gimme, 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 in brackets, a man after midnight. The name of the game, SOS, Waterloo, Mamma Mia. Chiquitita? Chiquitita. Fernando, the winner takes it all on one of us. Yeah, fuck yeah, way to go, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a good choice. I'm going to pick, and this is because I'm a piece of shit, I'm going to pick Link 80. Because I think it's got everything we need at the modern protest, which is 90s nostalgia, both through a happy Gilmore sample and just pure raw ska punk, baby. Yeah, a and happy also... Gilmore set. Was that, that would have been... When did happy Gilmore come out? You, you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, you check that. And also, so you, like, you got that, that attribute. You got the ska punk. You got happy Gilmore. And then it goes hardcore in the chorus, so you got that meat to it that's going to get everybody going. Is it, you, is it jarring and disjointed? Yes. yes. But, I but mean, is it good a pro- for a protest? Yeah. Yes. Totally. Uh, so Happy Gilmore came out in 96, and this song came out in 97. So it was a pretty recent movie at the time. Hot on the heels. Yeah. yeah. Good God. It wasn't like a nostalgic reference. It was a thing that just happened. How do you think they got that sample? Did they just record it off of a VHS? They had Did to they- have, right? <laughs> Yeah, or like they the, recorded, wait, they went to theaters to the movies. Yeah, to, and to like the movie to... and had a video, like a tape recorder, 
Or a video recorder, maybe. Call Adam Sandler. And get him like, to hey, do the we... line. And also, uh, shit, guy who plays Shooter McGavin. Sorry, guy who yeah. plays Shooter McGavin. I'm going to look yeah, up his name. Things. Because uh, I feel like he only gets recognized as Shooter McGavin. Cass. He's definitely been uh, in other things, right? Christopher McDonald. He's in the Iron Giant. Yeah, he's the, like, agent in an Iron Giant. So, like, oh yeah. yeah, he's definitely a guy who gets cast as a villain like all the fucking time. Yeah, he's in Requiem for a Dream. Okay, yeah, I haven't actually seen that. He's in uh, Grease too. Oh, Thelma and Louise. I still haven't seen Thelma and Louise. Fuck yeah, baby, me neither. Anyway, he's in Flubber, presumably as a villain, presumably as the Flubber itself. Um, yeah, he's in the House Bunny, presumably as the House Bunny itself. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's him. That's what he does. He's in. Sp- Spy Kids too. Presumably as the Spy Kid itself. <laughs> uh, Alright, so that's enough Happy Gilmore for one day. One day. See, that's our that that rounds up our picks for the final verdict. If you mm-hmm. have a different opinion, the same opinion, or a version of the song we didn't talk about, hit us Tell up us on about Twitter it. at at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy, hashtag cover me pod, or email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. That's C O V E R M E P O D at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, concerns. Rate and review us. Subscribe to us. Talk to us on the internet. Talk to John Bell on the internet because he's a guy that we talk to a lot. And now it's time for a bonus segment. Ooh. In this segment, I'm going to ask Alex a question and he will answer that question. Hmm. That often happens. Alex, best song about war. Huh. What is it good for? Best song about war? Yeah, or a... like with war, with war as part of the, the song, you know? Hmm. That's a big question. Big question. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to cut out a lot of me just humming. Okay, hear. you want me to jump in because I'm going to do a... Do a like a cheeky like mm, Die Hard is my favorite Christmas movie. Pick, oh yeah, so hit me with this. It. Hit me with it. So uh, the song is uh, it's by the Homeless Gospel Choir. The song is called When the War Is Over. But I don't believe the war is a uh, is a literal war. It's one of the mind, perhaps. And that song gets me hyper emotional, and sometimes I cry to it, and it's a good song. So cool. I I can dig it. Uh, runner up is Billy Joel's uh, fucking Vietnam song. I forget what it's called. Goodbye. Good night, Saigon. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just. Shop as... Nice, 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 nice. I'm just trying to like pull my uh, my thoughts together. You know, I'm like looking up songs. Mm. I'm like, what songs are even about? Like, fortunate son. Are there songs be, again, about talked war? About it. People write songs about war. Um. Uh. Yeah, I think they do. Tin one. Uh, one tin soldier writes away, but not tin soldier. Yeah. Go ahead, hit your neighbor. Go ahead, see the friend. Do it in the name of heaven. You can just fight in the end. The whooping and the trumpets blowing come the judgment day. The bloody morning after. The Unknown Soldier by The Doors. Yeah, that's one. That's one. 
Um, I know, right? It's, it's a question that I only asked because you brought up Remembrance Day extravaganza. So hey, I thought that I did. we'd half-acidly tie it in. Um, I would let you. I would let you pick as a. Hold on a second. Will has something. Okay. What's it? Will. What's he got? <laughs> the Dixie Chicks have a song about war. Do they? Yeah. Oh, Alex, I've got a good one by the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm just saying that so you can take it as an out. I don't want it. You don't. You don't want Gimme Shelter. No, I don't. What? Um, what about... I don't know why, this seems like it should be easy, right? Another good one, even though it's only tangential, is Fool's Overture by uh, Supertramp, which has right. the Winston Churchill speech in And it. we will never surrender. Uh, whatever the cost may be, we will never surrender! Do, 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 do. I'm just I'm just scrolling through music right now. I'm like, what? You just just look up war on uh, Spotify. Let me just let me just. And the first thing Google you'll get is the war, war on drugs. War pigs by Black Sabbath. That that's a pretty good song. Oh, I have another great one. Are you ready for it? Hang on, give me a second. Oh, let me look it up. Let me look it up. I, cause I I as I thought of it, I prepared a joke for it. I'll give you a hint. It's Pat Benatar. Yeah. Love is a battlefield. <laughs> the war song, Alex. Uh, what is a war song? What songs were popular during World War Two? Boogie woogie doodle. What movie was the song War in? Wow. What is? Okay, I have. Okay, I, I got something. I got it. Okay, hit me with it. it. All right, I figured it out. Okay, so. Back in the day, back in the tenth mm -hmm. grade, I had to do a report. Hell yes. Uh, well, it was not a report; it was an assignment, I should say. Mm. Um, and in fact, a friend of mine asked. Uh, it, it involved picking a song. We had to pick a song that was vaguely political. Uh, and and someone I knew was like, "Shit, I I, I don't know, man. I, I can't think of a song." So I was like, "I'll oh, just use this song for what it's worth by Buffalo Springfield and just do whatever bullshit, right?" Mm -hmm. So. The perfect song about war is The Trees by Rush. Because it's so vague, you can just apply it to anything. Yes, brother. Yes, that's the answer. <laughs> so that's the answer. Seriously, cut out so much of that. <laughs> God, so of me just being like, uh, fuck, fuck, shit, shit, fuck, um, fuck. Well. Yeah. So that's my answer. Because that's the song I used for that assignment. And it worked, and I did well in that assignment. <laughs> Goddamn right, because it's actually about nothing. It's actually about nothing. And isn't Say that again. what war is? Yeah, good for war is good for really? at least. Absolutely, end, nothing. Nothing. If you've got a war song that you love, uh, hit us, hit us, hit us up, hit us up on the on the Twitter hashtag war song wa. <laughs> it's pronounced Varsongfa. <laughs> yeah and uh tell us what your favorite war song is that's been our episode this week be sure to rate us review us subscribe to us tell your friends about us yada yada etc 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 and as we always say on cover me there's something happening here what it is it's cover me